Seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Good afternoon, everyone on the East Coast, and good morning, everyone on the West Coast. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, right here on Voice America, America's Voice. And I have on an amazing guest today, who is a six-time Emmy Award-winning producer. Her name is Sean Duperin, and she's been in the television business for nearly 20 years. She's taught thousands how to powerfully network, give exquisite presentations and media interviews. She works with corporations and entrepreneurs, teaching you how you can get thousands of dollars in free publicity in traditional and social media to create epidemics that promote your business and career. She has collaborated with many best-selling authors, including John Azaroff, Marcy Shimoff. Um, she's interviewed some of the some presidents, um, including uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Who, uh, which is pretty amazing, and she's been on, I could just go on and on. But without further ado, I'm going to interview Sean Duperin, who's really going to talk to us today about how we can leverage our expert status. Welcome, well, Sean. Thank you for having me, Patricia. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, exciting. All right, so um, what do you mean, expert status? Are you saying that everybody's an expert? Yeah, we pretty much are. You can really? be an expert in gardening. You can be an expert in child care. You can be an expert in changing diapers. We pretty much all have our expertise. It's a matter of being. What are you going to just claim that you're an expert in? Mm. And it's so funny because I'll meet somebody that's like a tech expert, and tech is not my thing, right? And they know so much about it, and they say, you know what? I'm not an expert in it. Oh, my gosh. What does expert actually mean to you? So it's really what you define it as, eh? Yeah, very interesting. You know, I, I had someone say to me once, so recently actually, he said, you know, Patricia, he said, you're the Ed Sullivan, not the Beatles. And I thought, you know, I'll take that because I think that we can become an expert in, in profiling other people or bringing out the best in other people. We can become an expert, as you said, in anything. I mean, grandmothers can become experts in being grandmothers or grandfathers. Yeah. Yep. And when, when, when we see each other as experts, when the media sees you as an expert, when a potential client sees you as an expert, there's a level of safety. It creates safety and being comfortable with being, you, being with you, hiring you, whatever. There's a level of safety and credibility that gets created. Now, one of the things you say is you help your experts create millions of free publicity for their businesses. How do you do that? You know, it's, it's really a conversation. Where I focus is I look at this theme of what are you broadcasting? What are you broadcasting? What's the message you're giving off? What's your energy, whether you're networking at a chamber event, posting on Facebook, or being interviewed by 
by CNN. What is the energy that you're giving off? And the game that I like to teach, that it really doesn't even matter what you say. It's so funny. I've, I've worked with so many people all over the globe about on-camera skills, you know, with corporations and such. Mm-hmm. It's really not about what you say. It's how you say who it. you're being when you see it, when you say it. Mm-hmm. Who are you being? Yeah. And we think people don't get that, but they do. We oh, think people absolutely. can't see through, you know, the bad mood or um, or the, the fear, but it, it comes across. It sure, it sure does. And it's so funny. I, and Patricia, I know you get this. At any given moment, we really have two choices, no matter if we're in business, no matter if we're being hired for a job, or we're even having our teenager clean the room. We've got two choices at any given moment. We can choose love, which is a weird word to use in business, mm-hmm. or, or we can fear. choose fear, right? Mm-hmm. Love is fun, passion, excitement, play, joy, all that great stuff. And then fear can also show up as well of those two choices. And fear includes regular fear, like actually feeling frightened. But it also shows up as jealousy, anger. And in my world, like when I get frightened, I go arrogant. You know, I like roll my eyes like, ugh, I become annoyed. So my type of fear is annoyance. That's where I can go really easily. And when I'm annoyed, that's when I know I'm not here right now in in playing in this realm of love, passion, excitement, and play. That's interesting. Yeah, we all have our, our different ways of, dis- of expressing and displaying fear. As you said, some get arrogant, some of us become withdrawn and just yeah. kind of tune out. Yeah. So it's and really important to look at that. Now, you talk about gossip marketing, and you know, as, as we think of the word gossip, we think of not nice things. We think of putting people down and spreading rumors. That's not what you're talking about, is it? Not even close. I actually am a gossip expert. And so, like you're asking, like, how do you get to claim yourself as an expert? One is I'm almost done with my Ph.D. in gossip. So that's kind of that. Oh, that. In the is there such a realm, thing, right? Sean? There is. Yep. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's under the genre of interpersonal communication. And gossip isn't what you think. You know, when you hear gossip, you think mean and nasty and malicious, right? Not even close. Five to seven percent of gossip is mean and nasty and malicious. We are good people. We really are. And gossip slash word of mouth is the, the most prominent way that we connect and communicate with each other as humans. 90% of what comes out of our mouths is gossip, 90%. And how it's defined in academia is anytime you're talking about someone who's not there, hire that plumber, he's fabulous. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, go on Patricia's show, you're going to have a riot. Yeah. Oh, whatever you do, don't go, to, don't go to Michigan State because you want to go to the University of Michigan, right, because I'm from the Michigan area. All that is gossip. How do you know when to go see a good movie? You talk to other people. Exactly. Or you read reviews. Yeah, exactly. And reviews are just gossip, too. So the, the really what's important here is how do you show up and create material so people are spreading positive gossip? Yep. It used to be like who you know, it's who you know. It's not who you know, it's who knows you. And now it's so easy to generate powerful. Well, and it's how you behave. You know, I mean, you know, what you do to one person, I mean, that will spread ten times over, particularly if it's negative. Yeah, exactly, and that's how you get known. And the reason, when you're doing something powerful or wonderful, like my big claim to fame is I create a lot of word of mouth. I have a lot of word of mouth or gossip around what I do in terms of a trainer or a speaker. I have a large following now based on the energy that I've created around it. that You, you go to Sean's workshop, you're going to have a riot. Oh, my gosh, media training, you're going to totally play in fear and love. It's not going to be even close to what you thought it's going to be. Okay, that's the energy that's created around my workshop. Mm. Now, where do you do your workshops, Sean? 
You know, I do them in. I do them all over Canada. I've, I usually do them at least once a year in Calgary. I've gone to and done them in Toronto. I do them in the Detroit area. I've done them in Dallas. So it depends on where the need manifests. Um, but I usually do at least three a year. I'll do three a year. And they're weekends or week long? No, they're two days. Usually, always a Thursday and Friday. They're two day long. Thursday and Friday. And you talk about gossip marketing. You also talk about social media, which is so important, relationship marketing in a new economy. What do you have to say about social marketing? Well, it's like the new shiny toy. Social media is really new and shiny for a lot of folks. Here's the thing. It's all about convergence. How are you leveraging everything together? We're in more advanced social media conversations now, and when it was the first shiny new toy, that's great. You can figure out how to do it. You know, Do you have a Facebook fan page, the whole nine yards? Now it's so how do you put all the pieces together? Like right now, direct marketing, like sending out postcards, that is a hot way to get folks in your social media right now because no one's doing direct marketing. As soon as social media has shown up, you know, the masses have turned towards social media, and that's great. And you want to leverage all the different ways that you're marketing, whether you're a business owner or in your career, so that you, you've got this massive word of mouth that's following you in, in this whole convergence. Because think about this for a second with social media. Great, you, face, you post something on Facebook. Let's say you're a business owner and you get on your local ABC station. Well, now you can put that search engine optimized video. I know I don't want to get too techy right now, but the search engine optimized video, you can post it on Facebook, driving traffic to your website, and using that traditional media interview to massively create extensive word of mouth. So you're lovely, and then people get to see you. I think the other thing, too, is... When you're trying to get attention, make it easy for the person who's reading, whether it's the interviewer uh, or whether it's the, the audience. You know, put it out there in a way that's easy for them to get it so they don't have to do the work. Oh, you're so right. And I like to say it's, can I say sex on your, your show? Sure. Okay, great. It's kind of like going on a date, no sex on the first date. No sex on the first date. When you're, it's, re, it's relationship building. We're in an authentic stage of marketing. We are in it for probably a good another 20 years. Mm-hmm. And people do business with people they like. And it, if you're the pursuer, if you're pursuing the hot girl, if you make it all about you, it's like trying to have sex on the first date, and the hot girl does not want sex on the first date. Mm-hmm. So, yes, when you're pursuing the interviewer, you give them what they need. It's like going on a first date, and it's raining outside. You put the umbrella over your date because she could be out dating so many other people, and you're being the pursuer. If it's something that you're wanting, you want to be the one who's creating a relationship, because we are in a relationship stage now. Yeah, I'd also like to speak to, as long as we're using sexual connotations here, the kind of wham-bam, thank you, ma'am kind of approach that many times is being used, and sometimes that isn't so good. You know, you have to condense that message into whatever it is, a sound bite that's 30 seconds. So what do you say about that in terms of getting your message across in a short period of time? He's playing on that same thing. It's not about you. It's not about you. It never has been. It's about creating the relationship over time, and especially with traditional media, most people don't know that. There's a trick in being interviewed by the media. When you're being interviewed on television, here's the thing. The story is already written. It's already written. Let's say you're a dentist. We're hopping here into Easter, and you've got an Easter basket that, is good for your teeth, right? The story, the reporter's already written the story. They just happen to interview you in the story, and all they're asking you to do is literally copy some of the things they're saying to you. Wow, it's really great to do, to give um to not give as much sugar in an Easter basket, right? 
they're looking for, yes, yeah, you don't want to put a ton of sugar in the Easter basket. You want to copy what they're saying and help them write the story. Mm-hmm. In the relationship, over time, it becomes about your message. But when you're first starting the relationship, it's about them. And it's a long-term process. It doesn't mean it has to take a long time. It doesn't mean Right, and all. it's what they want. It's what they yeah. need. Yeah, because you, you don't want to be a one-hit wonder. So many people say, oh, Sean, it's so cool. I was on MSNBC. I'm like, cool, when? Seven years ago. Dang. It's like being married and having sex once every seven years, back to the dating and yeah. sexual analogy, right? Yeah, I was, no, I was you want saying, an ongoing was, passive income relationship. Yeah, I was saying in another show, what's very interesting as an interviewer is that, you know, you have two things you have to keep in mind. One, you have to get the message out of the person you're interviewing. So in that sense, they're your customer. But you have another customer, which is the audience. So you have to translate it in a way that the audience wants to hear it. So it's that constant juggling act of, you know, am I, am I getting your message across, Sean? But is this what my audience wants to hear? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I concur. I'm, there's nothing more to say about it. It's true. Yeah, and, and how do you do that? Effectively, you know, how do you have that sixth sense to know when you might have to change the tone of things? Or well, as you well, said, yeah. if you get too technical or you say yeah. something you think the audience may, you know, maybe over the audience's head. Yeah, actually, that's a great example because I didn't know how techy your audience was or how deep you go into tech. So actually, I was actually testing you as an interviewee saying that clue because I know you're savvy. You get what I'm saying. And you might say, what might come back and say, yeah, it's a really tech-savvy class. Go for it. Or a tech-savvy audience. Go for it. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's a technique called meeting people where they are, taking them where you want them to go. Meet people where they are, take them where you want them to go. And a great analogy is parenting. So when I was a little girl back in the 70s, right, I'm 47 now, when you fell down and hurt, got a boo-boo, your parents would like kind of smack you around and say, hey, shut up or I'll really give you something to cry about. Back then, that's actually now they'd be considered child abuse in its own way. Mm-hmm. Now when little Joey falls, you, he's crying and you hug him and you say, oh, sweetheart, let me kiss the boo-boo. And he says, oh, yo, better. And then he's smiling again. You met him in the boo-boo and took him to joy. It's the same mm-hmm. thing you're doing with your marketing audiences. You've got to know where they are so you can take them where you want them to go. Meet them where they are, take them where you want them to go. I had to see. Is, is it, and, it's, and it's very intuitive, too. Mm-hmm. Very intuitive. Sean, how did you start all this? How did you? This wasn't your field originally, I assume. Well, you know, I started off in college many, many moons ago, first person in my family to go to college, which is like my, one of my claim to fame. But I was going to be a builder. Mm-hmm. And while I was in college, I said, wow, if I can be a builder and go to college, what would happen if I actually pursued something I really want, which was journalism? So dumped the major, moved on, and the rest has been history. Well, and you are a builder. Think about it. Think about the analogy. I am a what? You are a builder. Yeah, I am. You're building other people. You're helping other people build and create. Yeah. Not in the literal sense of the terms of building homes. Yeah, exactly. But it is is building. All right. One of the things that uh, you talk about, which I think is very interesting, is media and forgiveness. What do you mean by that? Well, a lot of my research, a lot of my, um, as a master's student and going on in my Ph.D., can I put on my Ph.D. hat for a second? Is that okay? Sure. See, then that was another technique, meet you where you are, take you where you want them to go, right? I'm doing the same thing what I just said. Got it? Mm-hmm. I know you get this, but I'm just saying it out loud. So putting on my Ph.D. hat, there is, there's a theory that I found in, in, um, as a master's student called agenda setting theory. It's a very famous theory in mass communication. What it basically says is that the media sets the agenda. And I'm like, okay, great. I've been in television for 20 years. At that point, 10 years in TV news, that's not how media works. It's not. 
everybody thinks it does, but it's just not what's going on here. And then I found another theory called agenda building theory, and that's when I got really excited. That's what happens with a lot of Ph.D. students. They find a theory that just lights mm-hmm. them up, and they just go for it, right? So the theory, agenda building theory, states that up to 90% of what makes it on the air is pitched. Up to 90% of what makes it on the air is pitched. And another way to say that is news is passive. News is passive, and most people don't know that. They are victimized by news with the stories that are put on the air. And if, if the table's actually turned and you actually pitched a story and got on the air, that's really how you do it is by pitching. We'd have a different world. We'd have different conversations that are going on. So it, a deep conversation like in, a, in 45 seconds or less is that we really are the media. We are it. The conversations that are out there we've generated. And it's based on culture, too. Different cultures have different media conversations based on their cultures. And until we change our, our cultural conversations, our media will never change, right? And so the bottom line comes to you can really start forgiving media when you get that there is no media, that we're it, that we're the ones generating it by osmosis or by not participating at all. Sometimes it's kind of like we're participating by turning um, it away. I hear that. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure I agree in that. I think the genre has been, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. And there are many, 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 many positive stories out there. I remember, I think it was a year or two ago, Brian Williams was getting complaints from viewers that said, you know, it's so negative. So he put out a call for positive media, and he said he could have filled three networks with what he got. So I think it's also, you know, the, the, the deliverer's responsibility to choose what they're going to put on as well, because there are those positive stories. Yeah, but the thing is, when they put on a bunch of positive stories, no one watches, Patricia. No one watches. Well, maybe they need to be spun a different way. (laughs) Yeah. But here's the thing, and it's back to gossip research and all that, Hmm. because they've done it. They've had networks where it's all positive gossip. So me and you, we're very positive. My networks rock. I don't even hang out with negative people, Mm -hmm. but the bulk of the world does, right? And until our cultural, global conversations change, and they are changing, but until they change dramatically, our news media will never change. Because think about a newscast for a second. Newscast, the first five minutes is that real tough stuff with five different angles. How many times have you been in a meeting, right, been in a meeting, and everybody's got to give their viewpoint and give all their negative energy to it? Or maybe you're talking to someone and someone runs up to you breaking news. It's one of, our, one of the biggest things you see in a one-hour newscast. Also, uh, you might sprinkle in weather like three or four times. It's the most common conversation that we feel most comfortable and non-vulnerable with. Right? So our newscasts really mirror our cultural conversations. And until we change culturally, the newscasts will never change. Never. They just won't. Very interesting. Yeah. It's a different way to look at it, a really different way to look at it. But it's a way to look at it in realm of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You talk a lot about networking. And, you know, we hear networking all the time. Of course, we're networking just when we're talking to people. But then you, one of your workshops uh, talks about networking is for Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Yeah, it's a great word. And back to the gossip, you know, like negative words travel. Like the reason I even picked gossip in my own way is because the negativity of it travels so quickly. It's part of our biology. Neanderthals, when you think Neanderthals, you think of the caveman dragging a woman by her hair, don't you? That's hmm. the, the first image you get. I've even had corporations ask me to change the title. I've had corporations tell, my, tell me not to name myself a gossip expert, and then I literally have to meet them where they are and take them where I want them to go and educate them about having a Ph.D. in gossip. 
educating around Neanderthals, when they're not, they weren't those ham-fisted guys. Neanderthals, based in our biology, based in anthropology, deep team builders and collaborators worked together to make systems and teams work. Yeah. They were all about biologically helping each other. And we as humans, we have that, that same biology, that same anthropology. So that's why I teach networking is for Neanderthals. It's part of our biology to help each yeah, other. That's great. You talk also about uh, avoiding media interview mistakes, uh, which can happen particularly if you're off guard and you haven't rehearsed some of the tough questions you might be asked. Yeah. You know what? It, what's such a myth about that is a lot of people just prepare for crisis communication, and that's like every time you go out to your Lamborghini, you check to make sure that your, your spare tire in the trunk is full. It's, it's, a, it's an inverted mindset to just be preparing for crisis communication. very small percentage of people will ever have to deal with crisis. That's why you have the mindset of having all this negative stuff in the news. The people that really get it, that really know how to pitch media, are pitching amazing stories that make a difference. It doesn't mean they have, they have to be positive. It could be right now the five things to do to get yourself organized and get ready for spring cleaning. That's the story the news media is going to do right mm-hmm. now. Right? And I see a lot of that because of my programs that focus on the positive. Those are the kind of pitches that I get. Yeah, totally get that, yeah. And I think that's really important. What type of clients do you have, Sean? I'm sure it runs the gamut, but who comes to you? You know, i got two specific areas that play with me. I get a lot of Fortune 500 companies. I, my claim to fame is to work with companies $20 million and above, to take a CEO that's been on camera for 20 years and take him from a B on camera, like a grade B to an A+. Like, how do you really become exquisite and charismatic and present on camera? That's my claim to fame. And a lot of times when I go in these corporations, I teach, you know, how to alleviate gossip in the workplace, how to network deeply so you can create more clients. So corporations are a big one for me. The reason I play with corporations is because they get me in in my relationship building with them. They get me in front of all the multicultural groups that I play Mm -hmm. with. So... I play a lot in the Latino community, the Arab community, the black community, and a lot of these associations and organizations can't afford to bring me in, so I'll go back to my corporate relationships, back to relationship building, to bring me into like the Nishimbas or um, you know the black chambers across the U.S. Mm. or the U.S. Hispanic chambers. Hmm. And then the other following is I have a lot of entrepreneurs that, play, that follow me. Right. Was so it's, particularly it's the me. opposite, really. You know, big corporations versus small business people or people who are creating their vision and making it happen. It's, I find them both to be so similar. Really? really? Oh, yeah. They're all people. They're all people. And even in corporations, there's people there that really want to grow their career. and Because be, when you're seen more in corporations on camera, you actually become the rock star within the company as you're moving that way. And then, you know, growing your career and growing your business and the corporation that you're working for. And entrepreneurs, the same thing, because they just simply want to market their business and create more exposure for themselves so they can sell more products or services. So the techniques are very similar for both audiences? They are. They're different conversations because there's different fear. Because I, I teach fear. I teach and play in fear. So there's different fears in each genre. So when I train, it'll look a little bit different, but there's a lot of the same basic tenets that happen in both arenas. Hmm. But we're people. We all face fears. Yeah. And the and reason I, I would imagine so, that the fears around entrepreneurs are... Can I keep this going? Will this still work? Yeah, I'm sure it's many, many things. But you know what the thing is? It's the capacity to sit in fear. That's probably the, the, the highest skill that, that exists, is a capacity to be with fear. Because, um, you know, when I play in fear, it doesn't mean fear is going to go away. 
It's just a higher facility and this exquisite ability to be with fear. I have a pretty high capacity with fear to be with fear. And to work through it, to sit with it and work through it. Yeah, and sometimes it goes away, sometimes it meanders and moves around. It's really in this mindset that there really isn't anything to fix. But the more knowledge you have, the less fear you have, that's for sure. The more no- increased knowledge, lower fear. That's like my mantra. Talk about relationship building and the importance of that and what that really means. I mean, relationship building can be years, not just days. Oh, absolutely. And one of the biggest well, what, probably, well, there's two big things that I teach, but probably the biggest one is the cycle of reciprocity. It's this constant giving and receiving. I'm sure you have your own name for it as well, Patricia. It's mm-hmm. this constant giving and receiving that you create. It's an energy or synergy that happens between you and yourself, you and other people, you and groups. And you're doing it right now. You're breathing in and out. Breathe in, breathe out. Full cycle of reciprocity. And the only thing that stops cycles of reciprocity is fear. As soon as you feel frightened, catch your breath. All that's happened in the economy these past couple of years is people got scared and people stopped buying. That's what happened. Fear chopped our cycles of reciprocity. So to get that cycle going again, like the government did the cash for clunkers. I'm from Detroit, so I'm very focused on cars and automotive, right? Business owners, maybe they're doing um, 50% off or, you know, different things to get that cycle going again. And how do you create that when you're picking and choosing strategic partners to play with in business or clients that you might want to work with. A lot of times when the cycle of reciprocity, our fear level is so high, we kick into desperation and we don't become that attractive, awesome, fabulous person that people want to work with because we're in desperation mode. And the same thing happens in a higher fear mode of being on camera, which is why I like to train on camera. So how do you help people reduce the fear? You know, fear is something you feel, and if you feel it, you feel it. What kind of exercises do you give people, Sean, to reduce the fear? There's a lot of them. First one is you can, if you're right-handed, when you're standing giving a presentation, for instance, or standing there being interviewed by the media, put all your weight on your left foot. So if you're right-handed, all your weight on your left foot. It's based in biology when you shift that over. And if you're left-handed? If if you're right-handed, you use your left foot. If you're left-handed, you do your right foot. Hmm. Okay? Um, Keep your feet the same width apart as your shoulders. And, um, and feeling yourself as a root of a tree. That's another thing that I tell folks, too, when they go on camera, because sometimes you can't even remember anything when you're standing there because the fear level is so high. It doesn't mean that people can see your fear. It's just what's going on internally. And um, there's a lot of techniques for increasing knowledge, and I do an accelerated learning style. So during my boot camps and my workshops, I have you repeat a lot of things so you get it in just such a powerful way because questions hook the brain. And so when you go through my training, you really get yeah. management. So sounds extremely powerful and effective. So tell us, we have a couple minutes left, so tell us again how people can learn more about your trainings. Oh, just come connect with me on Facebook. That's the easiest way. See, and this is, where, and this is another marketing technique. If I can just pull back the, like the Wizard of Oz when little Toto pulled back that little, can, that little curtain and the Oz was back there, the old powerful Oz. You know what I'm talking about, Patricia? <laughs> yes. Yeah. People just try to have sex on the first date and say, oh, come take my training. No, come check, out, check me out. Come see what people are saying on Facebook, which is www.facebook.com slash TV, and it's S-H-A-W-N-E-T-V. I give tons of tips. There's lots of engagement on the Facebook page from, you know, like the, making sure you don't have bad breath when you're networking, for goodness <laughs> sakes, you know, bringing up those reminders. Also different tips in social media and, of course, a ton of on-camera um, interview mistakes that you want to avoid. And a lot of my 
my, a lot of my folks that follow me post their media coverage, and we talk about their coverage and what they did right and where they need improvement. So come hang out with me on Facebook. Absolutely. I want to hang out with you, Sean. Yay. Thanks. <laughs> I want to hang out with you, too. <laughs> All right. My guest has been Sean Tuperin. Uh, am I saying that right, Duperon? You know, you're close. It's Duperon. I married a Frenchman. Duperon. Oh, elegant. Sean Duperon, uh, yeah. founder and CEO of Sean TV and six-time Emmy award-winning producer. She is renowned for her work in traditional and social media, networking, and gossip marketing, and has interviewed some of the most powerful people on the planet, including Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and many others. Uh, again, check out her website, of which she has many. And, Sean, you said it's SeanTV.com? Yes, ma'am. SeanTV.com. All right. Thanks so much. Stay on the line. Thanks so much, Sean, for being on the oh, program. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Patricia. Thank you. All right, folks. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. I'll send you a copy of my newsletter for me and would love to connect with you. I have other radio programs as well. All right, folks, uh, again, until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin, right here for VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 